0: The New York Times best-selling author of Better and Complications reveals the surprising power of the ordinary checklist. We live in a world of great and increasing complexity where even the most expert professionals struggle to master the tasks they face. Longer training, ever more advanced technologies, neither seems (coughs) to prevent grievous errors. But in a hopeful turn, acclaimed surgeon and writer, Atul Gawande, finds a remedy in the humblest and simplest of techniques, the checklist. First introduced decades ago by the United States Air Force, checklists have enabled pilots to fly aircraft aircraft of mind-boggling sophistication. Now innovative checklists are being adopted in hospitals around the world, helping doctors and nurses respond to everything from flu epidemics to avalanches. Even in the immensely complex world of surgery, A simple 90-second variant has cut the rate of fatalities by more than a third. In riveting stories, Gawande takes us from Austria, where an emergency checklist saved a drowning victim who had spent half an hour underwater, to Michigan, where a cleanliness checklist and intensive care units virtually eliminated a type of deadly hospital infection. He explains how checklists actually work to prompt striking and immediate improvements, And he follows a checklist revolution into fields well beyond medicine and disaster response to investment banking, skyscraper construction, and businesses of all kinds. An intellectual adventure in which lives are lost and saved, and one simple idea makes a tremendous difference. The checklist manifesto is essential for anyone wanting to get things right.
1: Book Bash Welcome to our book club podcast, where we pick a book to read each month that we then review. The best part is, you can join our book club. Just read the book with us and give your own feedback on the book and our reviews in the comments below. Be warned, if you haven't read the book and you want to listen to the show anyway, there will be spoilers. We choose the book for the next episode at the end of this one. I hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Book Bash. You think we have boy and girl listeners? If you're if you're a boy and girl listening to this podcast, you have an impressive reading level. Now, um, but I welcome you anyway. My name is Josh, and I am joined as usual by my good friends Garner, Garner. and Alex. And we read the checklist manifesto by Atul Gawande.
0: I'm pretty sure he's a doctor. I think it's Dr. Gawande. Yes.
1: I'm sure it is too. If it's not, then that man has admitted some very scary things. Yeah, it's just like, at <laughs> what time? I
0: cut that guy open? Yeah. The checklist helped.
1: <laughs> so, Garner, this was your pick for you. Yeah, round this was my two.
0: pick. Yeah. So. Um,
2: why did you inflict this on us (laughs) yeah why did i make
0: you read this book um so like i said uh previously i had heard this particular book and the stories within it referenced quite a bit by economists and more importantly engineers i work in the aviation industry the book is has a lot to do with aviation actually it does and so uh Obviously, a lot of people there felt it was a pretty important book to read. So that's why I chose it.
1: I can definitely see it coming from those angles. Um, There was a lot of times where I was thinking about this book, and I guess it's kind of delivery of its information, and I was was getting sort of Kahneman vibes. Uh, Daniel Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow, which we did on episode one, um, but uh so I can definitely see where it sort of leans to the econ bent,
0: you know. Yes, yes. I um I mean like thinking on the book, right? One one of the things that Gawande actually never really like hammers home is this concept that comes from engineering. Um you might have heard of it before, called Six Sigma. And the concept is that you it's not enough to only drop like one in a thousand babies that would just mean like tons of babies are getting dropped you can't have one in a thousand cans of beans give people botulism right right you, you have to have like super good results you need to be like one in a million babies are dropped one in a million cans has botulism even better right yeah and so um this concept is what this is really about it's like The checklist manifesto, the doctor never really explains this, but there are certain fields and certain things that you do where mistakes are really bad. And really the only desirable result is like perfection. You can't have like skyscrapers falling down. Yeah,
1: and and I felt like it was it it definitely was tackling a lot of like the um, simple the simple way checklists can be used um, habitually to sort of combat the human
0: error factor. Right. Exactly. So, normally we go through this and we're like, um, we'd spend forever bashing a fairly lengthy 20-hour book. This book was <laughs> short. It was like six hours.
1: Yeah, six hour listen.
0: I think we could uh, probably nail out most of the ideas pretty quickly, but let's start with, um, what did you like about it, if anything?
1: So, I will make you go first since it's your pick.
0: Sure. So, I, uh, I actually did like... The book overall, actually. I felt that the... My main... I, I, I want to discuss my issues before I talk about the good part, but I'll just <laughs> talk about the good part first. So the um, the part that I actually really liked is it's not just all airplanes, not just all doctors. Like, he talks about investment banking and construction and tries to apply it to these other things. And I, I really appreciated that... um. You know, first off, he kind of talks about um, this idea that, like, these other people, labor people, the hands-on people, he keeps bringing up, like, that they had already used these to-do lists before, that they didn't have this problem. And I I, uh, actually kind of wish he really would have just, like, spelled it out, but pretty much he's just like, the more of a professional and more of a white-collar you are, the more likely you think that you're this super expert and you don't need a checklist. And I actually really liked part of one of the central themes of the book is actually that it's kind of, um, in gaming, this is often brought up, actually. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect, where you think you're really good at something, but you actually, because you think you're good at something, you actually have, like, more flaws. Right. Right? Whereas people who actually are pretty good at something tend to know what their flaws are. This book actually made me think about that all the time, and it's one of my favorite aspects. It was like, whenever he brought up the people who didn't use to-do lists and checklists. They were like these high-end investment bankers. They were doctors. They, sometimes they were even engineers. They were the people who think of themselves as experts and as such, they were the people of failings. And uh, where it was actually like the common guy who had to be perfect every single time. You don't even hear their names. No one thinks of them as quote-unquote experts. And so this, that theme in the book I actually really liked. So, yeah, that's what I liked about it. Okay.
2: I would have to agree with that. That's one of my more favorite parts, is that he kind of hammers home that use a checklist. You're an idiot like everybody else. You will forget things in a high-pressure environment. He talks about um, the complexity issue, complex versus whatever it was that I don't remember. <laughs> um, complex versus complicated. Right. And how more and more today things are more complex and we're super specializing in everything, but people need to back up and start talking with each other and start just following a basic, these are the things that you absolutely must do. And I think he hammers that home nicely.
1: Yeah, I definitely felt that the, uh, the sort of focus, because it, it isn't just checklists alone in his book. No. And while he'll tell you about how the checklists are the magic key over and over and over, um, he kind of lightly touches on um, the point, um, the importance of both the commitment to the task, um, a positive team environment, and, and really the cooperation between that team to execute this complicated task. Because, you know, like his examples, his three big examples in the book are definitely the, con- the city building construction engineers, yep. guys building skyscrapers and designing that shit and running those projects, and then himself and his fellow surgeons and the team that support them during surgery, and then um, uh, airplane pilots and the whole team that make sure the plane gets on and off the ground all gently like. And um, and so all of those are really like team efforts. And, and he kind of uses the checklist to reduce the human error, but the checklist is only going to work if it has this level of commitment and cooperation. You know, if these people aren't committing to the practice of using checklists to double-check themselves on the basic stuff, then it's going to fall apart. And I, I did appreciate that. I also kind of liked the sort of inside look to these professions that the book sort of takes. Because I, I would dare say that this book is like 80% um, anecdotes. Yeah. And then about 20% about the the hard physical evidence and tests, field tests that he did to show that checklists work.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if that's where it was really different than Kahneman's book. Like oh, Kahneman yeah. is really trying to prove it to you. And this guy is, I don't know, like maybe he feels like the facts speak for himself. I don't know. Yeah.
2: He's trying to be buddy buddy while he does it.
0: Yeah, he's trying to be buddy buddy (laughs) while he does it. That's what it is. Well, Uh, it definitely didn't come
1: off as like a professor in this one because he's a surgeon, and so his, you know, a lot of his work is
0: more people work. And so I think he approached it from more of a people work's perspective. I can see that. I did appreciate that the stories were somewhat relevant, actually. Like, I remember when the, um, the miracle in the Hudson happened. Yeah. You know, that was a big thing for us, you know, who build airplanes, oh, yeah. right? We we're like, hey, it didn't break. <laughs> <laughs> right? um, did what it was supposed to. Right. And so for the, a lot of the stories in the book were actually relevant to our time, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was actually kind of cool. Um Like, I could just be like, oh, yeah, that actually just happened a few years ago, and and here it is in his book. He's talking about, like, how checklists may or may not have affected the outcome.
1: One thing I found really odd, though, about his as uh, anecdotes, because it was a lot of, like, personal experience, you know. You could tell that the author went out and got these stories firsthand as opposed to being like, I heard about this guy and this thing happening and checklists were great, you know. But no, he, he actually, like, did a lot of his own research and was very proactive in in this exercise to, like, be like, yes, definitively checklists are good, use them, you know. But what what I really started to find interesting was, like, when he first goes... Like he's his, you know, his building is being, um, his hospital is being worked on and he's thinking about the construction. He's like, hey, buildings have to not fall down and they usually don't. You know, what, how do they make sure that that happens with all these complicated processes? And then he's like interviewing this like high profile construction lead manager and then going on tours to like this special building and in the restricted areas and stuff and interviewing all these people. I'm just like, Who is this surgeon? Yeah, he just calls up this guy or shows up in an office and is like, "Hey, man, I'm writing a book about checklists. Could you mind like giving me a piece on how you run your company?" And then he's like, later he's doing like flight simulators in an airport training facility.
0: Like if he had told me he was a journalist, I would have been like, "Okay." Yeah, and it was just like seemed
1: to be. Like, modestly affluent, because he could just go anywhere and talk to these professionals in their field at length about their stories and lives. Stop. You know
0: what? He He's not just modestly affluent. Remember the cooking stories? Oh, yeah, yeah. Those the, I mean, it's all about, like, this hyper-expensive restaurant, Yes. to be honest. <laughs> and he goes on the whole cooking. Well,
1: thing. and, you know, he knows all of these uh, investment bakers, and I'm sure one of them is working with him. I'm, yeah. like, positive one of them is... He is a client of, you know...
0: The cooking one I actually felt was really interesting because, um... I actually don't think about that very much, but, like, you, you you notice immediately if your cooks are, like, fucking up the orders. Oh, yeah. Right? So cooks actually do, like... Like, part of their professional excellence is pretty much doing things perfectly. Yes. Right? And sometimes, sometimes, once you get into this high-end cooking, it is complex. And so I thought that was interesting. But, like, um... I know, like it, that to me was like the theme of the book. You know, it's just like, can you do it perfect every time? Every time, can you do it perfect? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, um, that's what I liked about the book. let <laughs> spend the next then forty then minutes. The rest of the book. <laughs> I do. I do have to just comment about like the general theme of the book is that like he's just telling like all these stories and um i i feel like the whole thing it sounds like kind of, sort of reads like it's like a love letter to checklist but it actually seems like he's trying to write to like a specific doctor out there who's really stubborn and being like look man here's a story and he's just like constantly one after another like he even tries to like say that he himself struggled to use the checklist which frankly after a while i found hard to believe but um <laughs> there is this like whole pride element to the thing, and I actually found yeah, yeah. that, like, it, the reason why I'm bringing this up just before I get to the bad is because I felt like so much of the story and so much of these stories had to do with people who are proud that it sort of weakened his argument. Like, it made yeah. it so that you're later you're like, is it really the checklists are good, or is it that proud motherfuckers everywhere are fucking everything up? <laughs> right? Right? Like, I mean, I don't know about you, but, like, a lot of people think that pride itself is a deadly sin, and frankly, in this book, you're making a pretty strong argument that people will die if they're proud people.
1: Like, when due diligence is the goal, pride is kind of the (laughs) enemy. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But he's talking about, like, pilots who are like, yeah, screw the things, and then they die, and everyone on board dies, and then the doctors are like, yeah, screw it, you know, I've already washed my hands, don't worry about it, and then that guy dies, and so on, and it's just like, yeah, but you know, to me, the stories just sound like these really proud dudes. Oh yeah. The
2: one story that doesn't have proud people though is actually the construction one, and yeah, they just figured out forever ago we need to do this or it's not going to work. You're going to put a pole in the middle of my air conditioning vent and everything's going to be screwed or something.
1: Well, I think it was great that he opened up with that that uh, anecdote because um, one concept I found pretty interesting to really sort of chew on was. How he made the comparison against the Masons, yes, versus modern your modern carpenter and um, <laughs> master and how... builders,
2: and I always thought of Lego. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank
1: you. <laughs> but yeah, like they have these master builders, this one guy who knows all the secrets of the trade, and then he's basically like the you know controlling algorithm that tells all the sub you know people what to do. And gives them their individual components and then make sure it all comes together at the end. But then once that guy dies, you know, then that industry is fucked. The individuals don't know how to make it all work. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, the modern system makes sure that there's checks and balances all along the way. Um, and that everybody is working as a team and understanding the whole project as a whole to make sure the whole thing doesn't come down and um and then he compares like he's like but in the surgery world we're still way behind and i'm like ooh right yeah it's my understanding that you know skyscrapers and airplanes have been around a lot less than the medical field but you're telling me that the medical field is like eons behind these guys Oh yeah, yeah. It doesn't look good for your industry here, buddy. <laughs> it's just
2: the proud motherfuckers. It's the surgeon that won't step back and say, "Hey, maybe you have something to add to this."
0: Yeah. What I really like, though, is he. Um, I've often felt that command and control structure is just messed up, right? Oh, like, yeah. if you give like the people on the ground the authority to say, "Hey, this isn't right," then things will get fixed. Absolutely. And um, he yeah. actually um, compared directly the master builder thing to Katrina.
2: And he's oh, like, yeah. there's, like, a yes. guy
0: flies over. And he's like, hey, read my email. <clears throat> this place is going to hell. Yeah. No one will read his email. Yeah. Right? And, uh, because he's a guy on the ground. He's, you know, he can't go up the chain of command fast enough. And I actually, it was just like, yeah. Actually, you know, I feel like that all the time. Like, the more centralized something is, the more often it's just, like, completely bonkers, messed up. Yeah. So that's the good. The bad <sighs> is that, um... Atul Gawande, like uh, first, I'll just say my exact thought. After a while, my exact thought was that it read like a uh, like a one hundred or two hundred level college essay. Yeah. It just it felt like he just found every supporting argument he could and put it in an essay. Put little bits where he talks in between, <laughs> and then put his bibliography at the bottom and i was like well you know what it is a compelling college essay but this could have been edited
2: a lot i think it should have been an essay i think the only reason he put it into a book was to try and make it more mainstream otherwise it would have been like perfect in shortened down and in some psychological journal or something
1: yeah, I want to I want to take one step back a little farther here. <laughs> okay, here we go. Because you know, I I, I use Audible, no surprise here, and it was narrated by Mister John Bedford Lloyd. And while the guy has a uh, a pleasant voice, it is sort of the audio version of Nyquil. <laughs> it is the sleepy time baritones. And uh, with the the material, what it was, it, it was a struggle to get through that six hours. Oh yeah. And not take a break in between it and just be like, oh my God, is this gonna wrap up? How much more do I got of this?
0: Because what it felt like, what it feels like, if you try to listen to it in a like in a big block, is it actually just feels like you're like arguing with some guy who just won't shut up and let you get a word in. <laughs> Because he just keeps, like, hammering the same point, like, again and again and again. I also got to say, like,
1: on that note, like, I know the book's about checklists. And so my concern going into it was, like, how often am I going to hear the word checklist? Spoiler alert, it's all the fucking time. (laughs) I don't know that you could go five minutes without him saying checklist in this book. But uh, I would definitely agree. Could have been a great article. In fact, I think he mentions that he wrote an article about his findings, his, his, like, study. Because the guy does, like, the hard empirical tests in multiple hospitals across the world implementing a surgeon checklist to improve their numbers, and it was, like, universally successful. Like, the data was there. Hospitals everywhere should be using this ship if they want to save lives and unnecessary complications. However... If he wrote that article already, I can only assume he's writing this book to try to get that broader audience, you know, to be like, hey, a doctor wrote a book. Let's go see what it's about, you know, because if it is just in its article form, you know, you trim out half of these or most of these anecdotes that just kind of go on about cute investigations, um, then, like, where are you going to publish that? You know, where is he going to reach his audience? Right.
0: Like, how, how does he get me to read it,
1: right? And so I felt like the, the editors, you know, as far as, like, trying to meet his goals and expectations of reaching those who need it, probably had him pad this shit. I'll to pad get, it out? To okay, get it yeah. up to a minimum, you know, book requirement. And I think we were just sort of feeling out on the opposite end, sort of subjecting ourselves.
0: Yeah, because I felt like he could have been like, here's a doctor's story. Here's a construction story. Here's an investment story. Here's a cooking story. Here's an airplane story. Yeah. Done. Like, no, he can't do that for some reason.
1: Because <laughs> I can tell you, my work uses checklists, or we're supposed to. Right. Like, there are some things, there's a lot that, you you know, landscapers do that is kind of on, a, on the cuff, you know. It's very much an artist's... Um, uh, Industry like we have to go tailor our work to each individual site, which has its individual needs, etc, cetera, etc cetera. Um, And so on the management scale, I'm sure that these broader checklist ideas he's talking about would work, but on my level It comes down to more of like equipment use Like we're supposed to go through a checklist on our trucks to make sure that they've got the fluids they need that um, You know the tires aren't and lights aren't dead and it's got the right emergency equipment. And we we're supposed to go through that every day. But I can tell you there's, like, almost no motivation among my peers to do that job correctly. You know? And it's and that's where, like, the dedication and teamwork aspect come in. My company's trying to implement this checklist, but they haven't followed through with the extra steps.
0: Yeah. You know? I feel like Alex was going to say something. No, well,
2: I was just going to talk about the padding, you know... Oh yeah. He made it very touchy feely. I wish he padded it with more content. I kind of want like a checklist on how to make a good checklist. Yeah. And he doesn't right? he talks about it for a couple minutes, you know, it has to be concise and he goes and makes one and it fails because it has too much stuff, but it's I wanted less psychological and why it's a good idea and more, hey, it's a good idea, now here's how to do it correctly. I
1: think one of the longer chapters in the book is actually his lengthy anecdote about forming the surgeon checklist. Yeah. And you can go through that bit by bit and decode the proper process he uses in making these effective checklists because he goes and gets advice from the investment bankers about trimming the fat on some of the things and he gets some advice from the pilots about you know being flexible and and all that but he doesn't make it very condensedly concise for the reader to be like alright this is what I need to do. Right. It's just sort of sprinkled in there for you to have to like take notes yourself and pull it out bit by bit to be like alright this is the process I need to go through to create my own effective group checklist. This is all I'll
0: say about that. We did the book um, Beyond Religion. Oh
1: yeah.
0: It this book should have been done a little bit like Beyond Religion. The Dalai Lama goes on and on and on, story after story after story after story. Right at the <laughs> end of the book, he's like, "By the way, this is a how-to on like how to meditate and stuff. It's like a how-to on their oh, yeah. mindfulness. Yeah. And he did. He just p- puts it in right at the end of. It. He's like, "By the way, Absolutely. step-by-step instructions." Right. A tool one day should have just like shot, you know, an hour or two out of his book and <laughs> stuffed in an hour at the end where he's like, let me walk you through this, the process.
1: Make a checklist
0: for yourself. Yeah, he should have he should have made a checklist about making checklists. It could have been meta as <laughs> yes. hell. It really but, could have. But it's, um, you know, so, there's, so, there's, so in a way, one of the worst parts of the book is you can just feel the missed opportunity. Yeah. You can feel it. Like, you're just like, man, this – like, like, he sells you on the idea, but then he doesn't, like he, – he doesn't actually sell it to you. It would be like right. – it, it would be like I went to the store and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, our bagels are the best. You, sh- you should absolutely try one. They're mouth-wide they're great. And be like, man, you totally convinced me. I, I want to buy a bagel. And they're like, oh, yeah, we, we're all out. Yeah. <laughs> I felt that, it's, like, I think
1: I described it at the end of uh, Bill Nye's book, I felt a little bit of the same way, where I was just like, all of this sounds really great, but how do I apply it myself?
0: Right.
1: You know, at my level, how do I apply it? Because I'm not a surgeon, you know, I, I'm, I'm a lowly landscaper, but um, I'm sure that there's other ways in my personal life where checklists
0: like this or of the kind could, could be real handy. Well, like, he touches on it twice, and I, and I and I brought it up earlier, like, one of his problems is that he essentially says that, uh, I mean, he, he keeps dancing around the idea that the checklist is really only super useful if you need to do something perfectly. Yeah. Right? And it just turns out most things in life you don't need to do perfectly. But he um, but dances around this when he talks about the characters, the people who don't want to use the checklist. He, you know, he says, oh, you know, what's so revolutionary about a to-do list? Yeah. Right? Yeah. right? Like, th- th- people have had to-do lists since the of time. Uh-huh. Right? And um, and he himself even fails to really make that strong distinction. You have to, like, like you're talking about, like, decode. Like, as you listen to the book, you're like, okay, the difference between a checklist and a to-do list is in a checklist, you're actually trying to, like, nail down all of the critical items, like the ones that will completely fuck this up if they don't get touched.
1: Right. Yeah, and, it's not a step by step, which he also says several times.
0: Right, he says over and over. It's it's not supposed to be like the instructions to build a house or anything like that. It's supposed to be, um, like he he had two concepts in it that were pretty good. Um, there's the, the the redo where yeah. you read it and then you do whatever it says, and then there's the one where you've already done the thing, but now you're essentially just double checking. Yeah, right. It's essentially an inspection list. And uh, that right there sort of formulates his idea. But again, you're you're spent looking for this stuff.
1: I also felt like I would have liked him to like maybe have branched out a little bit more because you know he touches on on those two concepts you mentioned there. The um, its difference between a to do list and uh, what was the other thing you just said?
2: Inspection. Yeah, it's yeah. essentially
1: inspection yeah. But I would have liked him to maybe compare two to like a flowcharts.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Because I think, like, flowcharts for a lot of people can be handy, too, because they're more dynamic, you know? They have a little bit more of that binary if this, then that. Right. You know? Which I think can be really helpful for some. Even though that's a little bit more step-by-step, but you can, I think, design flowcharts to be like onto these checklists that he's building.
2: But on the same note, if you have a flowchart and it only has two options, well, what if you run into a third option? With a checklist where you're just, you know, checking something, what's going on with this? Right. It gives you a lot more leeway. Sure, certainly. But...
0: Another interesting thing that the checklist manifesto um, I felt like, it's just really interesting, like, you keep going on about, like, pride and personal problems and all that, um, but like he talks about like the pause points. Uh-huh. And whenever I listen to his stories, like once he started to really like dig into the idea of the pause points, I was like, you know, it just really seems like the pause points are are what make this work. It's like, hey, there's something wrong. Now we actually need to get the people in a room and talk. <laughs> and then I was just like, yeah, so um so what's the deal with these pause points, right? Like how do you know why aren't we talking about this part in particular? Like, all the stumbling blocks for the checklist are usually, it's really hard to get people to stop, get together and meet and assess the thing. Right. And it it almost, sometimes it sort of felt like, like he's just essentially saying, like, you know, if every once in a while you just pause and take a look back at your project and go, is this going all right? Right? Like, does it have anything to do with a
1: checklist? He mentions, like, in two of his personal trial checklists they were struggling to find the right time to stop and do them right but then he never really brings a resolution as to like how he sort of figured it out other than just trial and error yeah
0: (laughs) we just found what works for us because we're super smart surgeons right right because because he sort of criticizes also hubris is bad yeah, hubris is <laughs> bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, he, he sort of criticizes the construction guys in the end. He's just like, yeah, but they get to do their stuff, you know, for months. Of course they can have, like, a whole day where they have to oh, no yeah, yeah. right? We can't do that. We, you know, Even our stuff Even though, like, is time, you know, a few
1: minutes before he's talking about how, you know, if one problem comes up, like the water, leaking water on the top of a building floor, then it could offset the entire... You know, you know, several months building schedule by weeks on end. Oh, yeah. upset the the whole scope of the project. And it's like, yeah, it's it's got longer periods, but the stakes are, like, higher because so much more could go wrong in that time. There's so much more time for things to go wrong.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say it. Like, there is at times, I was just like, I, I know you think you're a super cool surgeon, but, like, if that building collapses, fucking all hell... It's gonna break loose, dude. Right? Like their stuff is actually more serious than what you're doing. I'm just sorry. Um, So, um, yeah. So I I feel like I've I've pretty much bashed. I mean, it's a short book. I can't just completely shred the book any more than I already have. Yeah, we're gonna get into real small pieces here. Then. Yeah, you know. (laughs) At this point, I feel like you know my real problem with this book is my real problem is is if you listen to this episode. You have read the book. Yeah, yeah. You have um, read the book. I've covered the concepts. Read, you know, the redo list, investigation list, write <laughs> bad, talk to people. Like, I, I, you know, it's an essay. We're only about 30 minutes in. Right? You know, like, that's the problem. Like,
1: there's like five and a half more hours for you to listen to Pleasant Stories in Sleepy Baritone.
0: Yeah, you ever, <laughs> you ever listen to that NPR show, like, This American Life? <laughs> yeah. Okay, like I felt like he just like grabbed, (laughs) curated this American life episodes and put them in. Like, I'm sorry, you know. Like, I actually look like it's crazy because being an aircraft guy and being an econ guy, um, I actually just love the message of the book. I actually overall like the book. I finished the book thinking, man, how could I use a checklist?
2: (laughs) But it shouldn't have been six hours,
0: (laughs) it would have just shouldn't have been six hours. It just should have been. And so it's, you know, it's I have, I have uh, in the end, I just have a mixed review about the book. Like, yeah. oh, like I actually told Kirby, because he works on Airplane, I was like, you should read this book. I'm not sure that anyone else should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if you have to, if you work on airplanes or you have to do anything where it needs to be perfect, this is actually a pretty good book to it's, read. And it's
1: not like the longest undertaking, but it is still an undertaking. It's kind of like... If you can get through it, you know, there's some value in this. Yeah. But I definitely think he could have accomplished that same invigorated feeling that you had in half the time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Could have definitely sold you on the on the concepts with a few cute stories mixed in there and still cut uh, it in half.
0: And then actually sold it to me at the end like the Dalai Lama did. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Dalai Lama's best bagel salesman. Tibet? What? What's the initials for Tibet? I was gonna say Na, but I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> you know, Tibet, I bet
1: there's a T in there somewhere. Yeah,
0: Ti. Yeah, <laughs> Dolly Lama, best bagel salesman. Ti. There you go. Right. Well,
1: there we go. It's a short book, people. It's a short episode. Shall we move on to your list, Miss Alex?
2: My list. Your options. Homeland by R.A. Salvatore. It is technically now the first of the Dritz books, Dritz Jordan books, but the original three got moved forward in the timeline, so it's like before the original three. Um, from my understanding, it's when he's still in the Dwar- Drow homeland, which is why it's called Homeland. Oh. So I read the first three because I'm reading them in chronological order rather than their new order, written order rather than new order. Um, mm. My second choice would be Alcatraz vs. Librarians <laughs> by Brandon Sanderson. Oh. Okay, Sanderson again. It is actually one of his young adult novels, and I hated Elantris so much that I've been trying to find a Sanderson <laughs> book that I will appreciate, because everybody says he's very good.
1: Yeah, Sanderson is uh, from our season zero. I'm telling you, Mistborn is actually the, his good book.
2: <laughs> I have it on my list, but I have not read it yet.
1: I, I did enjoy Mistborn.
2: Um, and then the third one will be Origins by Neil deGrasse Tyson. Ooh. It's for a nonfiction pick, and because I like Neil. So de what de is Tyson. that about? I don't remember. I think it's. Okay. um A J. Yeah.
0: Well. Enjoy oh, the universe. What's this Brandon Sanderson book? We it, You know, <laughs> versus librarians what?
2: It's Alcatraz versus librarians. It's a young adult novel, so it should move pretty quick.
0: Sure, I like YA novels. Maybe it's because I'm a little kid. <laughs> don't tell anyone. And especially don't tell April.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you know, but it's this YA novel, but you know what it's about?
2: It's part of a series. It's like the first in three or something. First in several. I want to say that Alcatraz is the person, and it's against the school librarians or whatever. Oh, okay, okay. Let's go see.
0: Okay. I, um... Oh no, I'm torn. I I normally would just automatically pick the nonfiction oh. option.
1: Origins: fourteen billion years of cosmic evolution. Yes.
0: Our true origins
1: are not just human or even terrestrial, but in fact cosmic. And so it looks like he he goes on to talk about space ship.
0: Space <laughs> Okay. Well. Um, this is you and I, Josh. We have to decide. Normally I go for the non fiction option just out of matter of course. Right. But um I, I feel like I feel like I already know what he's gonna do. He's going to like try to hammer home like his anti-theist <coughs> agenda.
1: <laughs> oh no.
0: And then I'll and then I'll be like, no, I've the choir, nail doe. <laughs> um, and then he'll do it anyways
2: Okay, so Alcatraz It's Alcatraz versus the evil librarians oh, Alcatraz evil. Smedry can't exactly be described as someone who doesn't break things In fact, he break, breaks lots of things The truth is, he's a major klutz Breaking things, however, might just be the ace in the hole he needs When he goes up against a cabal of nefarious gasp librarians
1: That would be the second book I have read with evil librarians in eh? it <laughs>
0: We're okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, I I actually went to a librarian a few years back, and they were really nice and helpful, and they even emailed me personally.
1: Yeah, the one in the book I read, um, which was the Welcome to Night Vale novel, they uh, were hardly human. Yeah. Um,
0: that's a fun. That's a fun. People and librarians. <laughs> librarians seem like they're pretty chill. You can ask them the most absurd questions. I'll actually research it for you and tell you what book you should read. It's kind of crazy. They're, like, better than Cortana, and they're actual humans. I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have Origins. Um, librarians or Homeland. Librarians island. or Homeland. You said that's part of the Drit series? Yes. Is that, like, in the middle of it?
2: It's technically, like I said, they reordered it, so the order that he wrote them is Non-chronological. The, first, the first three, and then Homeland jumps back ah. and is before Dritz left the drow underworld. So it's a
1: prequel sequel? Yes. Okay. So a Star Wars
0: shit right there. I know. There's it's, like 15 no, or 20 books on Dritz it's now. It's a fantasy standard these days. Alright, well, I, I have to say that I am probably the least interested in Dritts. So, if... yeah. yeah, I'm probably the least interested in Dritts. Just because um, I never was a fan of him in the first place, so I can't imagine that I'm as hardcore enough of a fan to go back and find out, like, how he nursed as a little boy.
1: Well, I'm disappointed that the Neil deGrasse Tyson book isn't narrated by him on Audible. What? It's not narrated. I uh, know. <laughs> the fuck. But it's uh, eight plus hours. Okay.
0: Let me look up the librarian's one.
2: Uh, librarian is seven.
0: Okay. Eight hours of preaching to the choir, or seven hours of Sanderson actually writing a book, which is less than Unstoppable was. So.
2: Homeland's ten. <laughs>
0: Well, let me tell you, you know, Sanderson, you know, like, wrote forever when he wrote Elantris, and I often was like, man, does Sanderson have an editor? (laughs) That this could be the book where he had an editor. (laughs) So.
1: Yeah, I'm inclined to the latter two myself to give Sanderson a little more try. Yeah, I mean, I, you know what? but the other guy's Tyson is tempting.
0: Yeah, i tell you what that I mean, Alex knows how to make some choices here. Yeah. We have to choose between...
2: I mean, I technically had a fourth one I can throw at you.
1: I gotta say, that's, that so far I think this is the best role we've had this round. <laughs> yeah, it's <is> pretty good. <laughs> it's been pretty easily decided the last two. Um, I think I'm going to vote for my man Tyson.
0: Uh, you'll regret this, but let's do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm really, telling you, we're I'm, just going to I'm ready to sing.
1: <laughs> I'm ready to sing in this choir. You're going to
0: the choir's going to get <laughs> preached at. Join us next month as we learn what we already knew.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I hope you all had a great Halloween. We will see you after Thanksgiving. That's <laughs> out. Um, so. Thanks again for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed sound effects provided by the F Sound Band and music provided by Ben Sound. Want to tell us what you thought of our review in the comments and join us next time on. Book Bash!